Welcome everyone to this seventh episode of The Americana. I'm the host, Keith Johnson. Thank you for listening in. I appreciate you being here for this episode of Guns, Gun Shit, and More Guns, an interactive podcast where after we wrap up, you can shoot pics of your gun porn and or any questions you might have relating to this seventh episode. You can send all these queries to theamericanachat at gmail.com, but please, guns only. And like always, I'm coming to you raw and unedited, so if I fuck something up, well, we got to suffer through it together. And if I do make a mistake this time, I'll say, fuck Joe Biden, to continue on. Since he's the biggest adversary to the Second Amendment our country's ever put into office, it just seems fitting for this gun segment. If you're like me and you like to talk about gun shit with friends and find out new and interesting things that you just absolutely quote-unquote need to have or to spend money on, well, this podcast should interest you a little bit. I'll cover over some of my personal favorite firearms as well as some of my buying and selling history that got my gun safe to be occupied by the firearms that are currently there today. Some of my gun purchase history that I've tested and shot the ones that I've removed from the gun safe permanently, and the ones that outperformed so well that they've stayed with me after all these years. I think there is an evolution of gun purchasing and gun ownership that we naturally evolve through as gun enthusiasts. So if you're new to gun buying, you might want to keep listening because this might save you some time and a shit ton of money through the trial and error and process that I've experienced in my journey. So I've always been interested in pistols, and I've owned and shot many different types of pistols and calibers of those pistols, and I've always been shooting at ranges and shooting out with buddies and going out with different friends here and there, and then it's given me an opportunity to see and feel out some of other guns that my buddies have had and get to play around with other guns without the burden of purchasing them to test them out. Getting the opportunity to shoot a friend's gun is a great way to see if you like it. I would highly recommend doing this unless you have a substantial amount of money and don't care about the cost of trial and error. It's expensive. And lots of gun safes, might I add. I started out shooting the Ruger P89 9mm I first got from a buddy almost 30 years ago. This was my first pistol, super accurate pistol. I loved it. Uh, I did it had a rubber grip on it. It just made it feel like it was made for me specific. After shooting that pistol and being in the security line of work at the time, guys I knew were consistently telling me I should go to a bigger round. I found a 40 caliber version of this right away without doing any fucking research. And uh, I think I believe it was a P90, if I'm not mistaken. So I bought it. This gun was in and out of my life pretty quick. The accuracy of this 40 was nothing like the 9mm. And I thought that it might have just been that specific gun. And after shooting my buddy's guns, the their 40s, I noticed the inaccuracy of the larger round in comparison to the 9mm. There was a substantial difference. And it wasn't just grip twist from your, from your hand, a, a common mistake when people are firing a pistol they grip really hard, 
getting ready for the explosion go off in their hand, the recoil, so they grip, and when they grip it, they twist a little bit. It's a really common mistake. This isn't what I was doing. So the conversation when shooting was, my buddies were telling me that, well, man, if you want to hit somebody with a 40, man, they go down way faster than if you hit them with a 9 millimeter. I don't know, man. Um, I guess that was their selling point to try to get me to join their 40 family. But when my shooting partners had their larger calibers with them, they often weren't grouping as close as I was with my 9. So my thought was, 10 9mm bullets on your chest stacked on top of each other would be a little more efficient than maybe one or two larger rounds hit somewhere else random in a body if I had to ever use it as a self-defense weapon. And I was thinking about those odds, and I thought about it, and I thought, you know, I think I'll stick to my 9mm. So that's what I carry now, and all of my pistols are 9mm, and they're fucking accurate. There are also so many different brands out there. I've shot many different types. I feel like the Glock was like shooting a 2x4 with its squared body. And I got a buddy that's a Glock guy. He's probably laughing right now, thinking I'm an asshole. But, you know, a, a lot of guys swear by this gun. And I know they're good guns. But being a home builder by trade, I was tired of holding lumber all day. And that's what I felt like I was holding was a 2x4. So it shot well, but I didn't like the shape of it. It didn't feel good for me. So I went back, shot the shoot, uh, shot the Rugers, um, and... This they were kind of my go-to until I got to shoot a buddy SIG one day, and that was it. Now all of my pistols are SIGs. The most the most common pistol I carry now is a SIG P320. Uh, one big reason I love this is because the pistol's adaptability to allow a micro Ronnie conversion kit to saddle up to it. Not sure if you've heard about this, but what it is is an upper that slides over the top of your pistol too, and you can mod these a little bit. So. They have some sweet attachments to them. Uh, they, they've got the front light, tactical light that you can put on there. Uh, and I put a red dot on top of mine, uh, so on and so forth. You can kind of add some different things to them. So now I have a essentially an upper receiver that slides over my pistol and makes it an SBR. The Micro Ronnie also has built into the handle an extra slot for magazines. Um, I've got a couple 21-round magazines that I like to slip in there and... and uh, you know, I imagine you can put some larger ones in there if you wanted to. Super cool folding stock with the wrist brace. You know, the SBR logo type. Huge eye roll there. Um, so now my pistols were dialed, and I felt comfortable with my concealed carries. And, uh, well, that triggered my rifle journey. And my rifle journey started with an AK-74 and the AK-47. Now, you might be wondering what the hell the difference is between the AK-74 and an AK-47. And again, I don't mean to be disrespectful to the ones listening that have good knowledge of these guns. But remember, there's a lot of listeners out there that probably don't. So the AK-74, or what some refer to as a Polish Tantal, is a Polish weapon intended to be a lighter and more modern version of the Soviet AK-74. The weapon was adopted by the Polish Armed Forces. Like I mentioned, the Tantal often gets confused for the AK-47, just because if you were holding an AK-74 next to an AK-47 and you didn't really know or somebody really wasn't familiar with guns, you probably couldn't tell them apart. However, there are some caliber differences uh, as well as weight. The AK-74 has more of a 223 round appearance and the AK-47 having a more 308 style feel. The actual size round of the AK-74 is a 545 by 39, while the AK-74 
There's a 7.62 by 39. I found that the Polish Tantal was a way cleaner round to shoot than the, so the, the at the 5.45 by 39. I still wear the 7.62 by 39. Was a super dirty round, especially if you found some old Russian ammo or wolf ammo even. Uh, it just tended to be dirtier, and you needed to clean the shit out of your gun every time you went shooting. And although I always clean my guns, this was a little excessive cleaning. I didn't like the way that my AK-47 cycled either. Uh, I had a lot of issues and jams and hanging up. Uh, before I had acquired a good amount of experience with diagnosing my own issues and playing with the breaking down of the guns, uh, I had I had this gun to the gunsmith three times. Frustrating. So finally, after I got the cycling issue fixed, I duracoated it and sold it at a gun show one year. Then after many furniture swaps, and in case you didn't know the lingo there, again, this is for new gun, new to gun folks out there. Furniture is a reference to the mods of the handles and grips and the other fun shit you can swap out. So many of these um, swap outs, I got bored um, of the AKs. And so I moved on to the AR-15 platforms. And for me, this is where the fun started. Once I'd hit the AR-15 class, I really liked how responsive these guns were. Could clearly see they were a better built rifle. My first AR-15 was a DPMS that I still own today. I've had it forever. I've shot thousands of rounds through this gun, and I've never had a stovepipe jam or a misfeed. And a weapon that's intended for use for your personal protection, if shit ever hits the fan, well, this is an absolute must-not-do. This gun cannot fail a cycle or jam. could mean your life. I know there are better ARs, and believe me, after that, I had to buy a few of them, but... When you have a good one that cycles right, you just trust it and you keep it. I went on to purchase several more AR-15 platforms as well that I trust, and they were just sweet guns to have. But as time went on, I got a little bored again. I took a break from the AR-15 class, and I eventually went on to long-range rifle shooting. 500 yards is about where I wanted to start. And once I was achieving two-inch groups for every six-round shot at 500 yards, I moved on to the larger calibers. I stepped on up to the 50 BMG, 50 calibers. Big fucking gun. Really enjoyed the power and was able to stack rounds at 1,000 yards on top of each other. Really, really cool gun uh, to feel the power. I recommend if you're a shooter, go down maybe buy one, but at least shoot one in your lifetime. The power is awesome. But shooting, the shooting went on. I don't know, the, the rounds got expensive and my shoulder felt like it was time to move on. Uh, you know, the some other calibers that were a little less aggressive. So I went back to the AR-15. As I saw something new about them that got me excited again. A buddy of mine had just gotten back from his last tour in Afghanistan and we went out shooting. And um, we had some time to hang out and bullshit for a little bit and he brought some guns with him. And he introduced me to an SBR. I saw this short little rifle, and I was like, what the fuck is this? A little Daniel Defense. Um, man, this was many, many years ago um, today. So a lot of people are familiar with SBR, but if you're not, SBR stands for Short Barreled Rifle. For obvious reasons, this got me really interested in the AR-15s again. So I had to find out. I had to find some that felt right. Now, from a tactical perspective, these things were top shelf. If, say, uh, let's say you had a hypothetical situation where the country was invaded by parachuters and 
another country, you know, that were dropping down on the city streets, threatening, threatening your safety, right? <coughs> yeah, I know uh, that's far out there, but that's what I came up with for my example here. <laughs> but, uh, you know, these guns would for sure be your tactical go-to. However, in all the years I've been back and forth with this gun or that gun, I must say my buddy Justin once again introduced me to one more gun that I absolutely had to have once I saw it. It's called a Scorpion. Now, this is an SBR, but it's a 9mm. And it's a short-framed platform that looks futuristic almost. And it immediately got my attention, so I had to have it. Once I bought it, I immediately, it immediately got a facelift. Not really so much furniture, but fresh paint. I upgraded to 50-round drum mag, and holy shit, this thing is super fun to shoot. Cycles so smooth and consistent that every shot you make is stacking rounds on top of each other. You know, it's not uncommon when you're target shooting to look at your target, walk up to it, and think, holy shit, did I only hit the target three or four times? No. Every shot followed the last one through the target, right through the freaking center. Now, you think AR-15s are great, and they are very powerful, and they're awesome guns. But even the AR can't match the smoothness and consistency of the Scorpion. Round per round fire due to recoil and reclaiming target acquisition. No fucking way. It's not even it's not even close. But again, falls back to my theory, 30 round shot, maybe 10 hitting. Won't match up to 50 round shot with 50 rounds hit. Direct target. And anyone in the family can shoot this little Scorpion. Uh, it's, it's perfect for children. You know, small, small kids, women smaller framed people they just enjoy it there's no recoil it's a fun gun to shoot but of course with parental supervision of course if you got your kids out there shooting the gun came equipped with an eotech optic when i got it so there was no possible upgrades that i could do from there in my book the final addition i'm waiting for right now is a silencer that i've been feels like i've been waiting for fucking ever but it's the final edition to complete this masterpiece in my eyes, a true work of art. Once silenced, this thing should literally be the funnest gun anyone's ever shot in their life. At least that's my opinion. If you think otherwise, email me at theamericanachat at gmail.com and let me know what you think your most fun gun would be to shoot or is to shoot. Obviously, there's no right or wrong answer here. It's just a personal opinion, but I would love to hear your opinion. And who knows? Your suggestion might trigger me to go buy one. And on a side note, I'll add about the SBRs. Um, if you do get one, if you ever have a cycling issue with a short-barreled rifle, I found that the if you add a larger weight into your buffer tube, it helps slow down the action and stops the jamming. Just in case if you uh, decide to go to the SBR, anything under 11-inch barrel will typically cycle too fast, and uh, you'll have you'll have issues of the the uh, ejection as it comes back. It'll catch the round quicker than when it exits the chamber. So you'll end up getting some stovepipe action. Okay, so what does my gun safe look like today? What guns are left in my long gun buying, loving, hating, and selling journey? I narrowed my gun safe down to 9mm pistols, uh, one urban sniper rifle chambered in 5.56 NATO, and AR-15s, obviously, chambered in 5.56 NATO. Other than that, I have a Super Black Eagle that I use for duck hunting. Um, you know, when the feet are hanging, we banging. <laughs> That's kind of stupid, but funny. Do you know uh, 
you know how nice it is to only go out when you're shooting? If you only carry two different types of rounds, so 9mm and 5.56, five, you know, it's so much nicer. I can't tell you how many times I've went out with 10 different calibers. I forgot the fucking ammo. I, you know, you got like six guns. You're like, fuck, I don't have any ammo for any of these. <laughs> you know, plus buying in bulk with just a couple guns, you know, it's, it's so much nicer. It's so much easier. And then you might be asking, so where do you buy your gun ammo in bulk? Well, I use a, a place called AmmoSeek.com. Uh, it's a really nice place to buy. It shows you a lot of details about the ammo you're buying as well. And uh, how long it's been for sale. Is it clean brass? Uh, what type of metal it is on the casing? And especially if it's reloads or new. And so on and so forth. Great place to buy ammo unless you live in California. And then I don't care what you buy because California is fucking stupid. I guess maybe you buy them from the cartels and shit out there. I don't know. I think that's probably who runs the security out there now. As you can tell, I'm not a big California fan. But if you are in California and you like this podcast, I'm not necessarily personally talking about you because we have a lot more in common than the rest of your state. And if you're really interested in uh, guns, you might be venturing out and thinking about gun coding. A pretty fun hobby I found is duracoding firearms. This is something I've been doing for many years, and it can take your average gun and make it pretty badass. Before the governor of Oregon, Kate Brown, stepped on everyone's feet and fucked Oregon up, we used to be able to take our guns to gun shows freely and walk around and, you know, sell our guns and actively talk to people, and, you know, it was a, a social thing. This was a fun way to buy a gun and code it and sell it at the next show, maybe acquire a couple more guns kind of a hobby thing. It was fun. Um, it was, uh, I was finding the curb appeal for these guns were irresistible once they were Duracoded. So, again, if you want to add some flair and some sexiness to your gun, um, you know, that's a good way to do it. But that hobby came to a stop when the guns were no longer something of an ease to sell. They passed the law where you had to go through the ATF transfer fees and all the bullshit. So the ends didn't justify the means. I still play around with Duracoding, but it's just for fun. That's about it. If you yourself are interested in Duracoding, here's a quick starter. Go online to Duracoat.com, order the colors that you like for your gun, and any stencils for patterns that you like. Uh, you can do Mirage Blage, Punisher Skulls, or whatever. And they send you these stencils. You just stick them on and you spray over the top of it. There's a hardener that comes with the paint follow the directions exactly and specific to the hardener and paint ratio. It's imperative. Prep for the gun is pretty straightforward. Uh, they have a product called True Strip. Works great. Uh, you don't have to sand or bead blast like I used to. It was a lot of fucking extra work. All you do is you wipe, wipe the thing down with True Strip, whatever you're wanting to spray. Um, use a white rag. Works out good. That way when you're applying the chemical, you can see the dirt, the stain and grease come off on the white rag. Keep wiping it until the rag stays clean. The metal will look pretty cl chemically clean as well, um, like a black barrel of a gun will kind of have a grayish tint to it. Then you get a lighter spray, uh, uh, like a maybe, I don't know, an airbrush uh, and a compressor from, I don't know, maybe Harbor Freight or something like that, wherever you can find one cheap or online, Amazon. The world leader in buying shit. And that's about it. Taping and masking shit you don't want to uh, paint on. Uh, make sure you spray in a well-ventilated area. I'd like you to continue to follow me on the podcast and not die from uh, inhaling too much chemical. Um, also, 
If you paint in an area that's warmer, it's preferred. Um, if you have any questions, shoot me an email at theamericanachat at gmail.com. Happy to answer any questions you might have about it. Um, yeah, shit comes up from time to time. Now, not that you need an example of how fucking stupid our government is and the process in which they do things to make society safer for owning and purchasing gun shit. I'm currently waiting on two silencers, an Obsidian 9, that was for the Scorpion that I was talking about, and a dead air mask for my 22. A question I keep replaying in my head is, why the fuck does it take so long to get a silencer back? And why do you think that they feel that the silencer is such a threat? That they need to hold your silencers in the store for months and months and months until the ATF clears. What the uh, what does the ATF do? You know, you know, like an extensive background on check on Tubby. I already did a background check when I bought a fucking gun that the silencer is going to go on. The state police did that background check when I purchased a rifle. I have a concealed carry permit. I mean, what the fuck are you trying to figure out? I, if I'm wanted on another planet? I mean, if I have warrants under the sea? I mean, was this the reason the Space Force was developed? I mean, come on, man. I mean, I need answers. It's driving me crazy, you know? It's like someone keeps pushing out Christmas the next month. You know, it's like, man, when you, get, when you buy one of these silencers, you know, it's, it just never comes soon enough. It's 100% only a politician that could truly believe that a silencer, if someone wanted to do bad shit, would be the tipping point for doing bad shit. I mean, how many shootings have you ever heard of the gunman uses a silencer? He wants, to, he wants to be quiet. I mean, like fucking zero. That doesn't even make any sense. The only time people use silencers is that bullshit fucking Hollywood, you know, where, you know, they make the silencers look so quiet on the big screen, you know, that it wouldn't wake you up if you were sleeping. You know, I can tell you firsthand, that's total bullshit. They muffle the noise a bit and protect your hearing. But if your neighbor was firing his gun next door, you're going to know. Silencers really aren't the focus here for stopping violence. So why do we get to be cleared to walk out of a gun store with a gun the same day, but I have to wait months and months and months to get something that is just merely being used to stop the excessive noise from destroying my hearing? Do they think that a silencer... Do they really think that it's that deadly of an apparatus? I mean, or is it because of that lovely little tax that I'm taking charge $200 for? And they hang on to it just to kind of make it seem like they're really fucking doing something. And when they really do get it, how much effort do they really put into something? I mean, it's fucking ridiculous. Well, it's always about the money. It's not about your safety. Trust me, they don't give a fuck about you. And most governments in any country, they really don't. Uh, they just want you to pay, put money into a system that they can spend your fucking money frivolously on stupid shit. They don't really care. If the governments really wanted to help out society, they would implement more mental health facilities, free for everyone that needed it. Maybe take some of the billions you're sending to Ukraine to help out another bullshit war we shouldn't be involved in. Like the last fucking war, you drug out and killed a bunch of innocent Mer American lives. Remember Afghanistan? And maybe, just maybe take care of our people first. You know, I always think about that Chris Kyle story. I'm sure you saw the movie The American Sniper or heard of it, where this American hero fought countless battles, risked his life, 
finally came home and wanted to help out veterans with PTSD. Now, this story hit home to me because his wife lives in the next town over. You know, he wanted to help out people, soldiers that had PTSD, because he could see that the government wasn't doing their part to help and lost his life while doing it. After all the danger this guy saw, he lost his life to someone while on American soil. The biggest slap in the face. That should have never have been getting veteran assistance. And the mental health help the government is failing to provide. I mean, this guy died. He lost his life to someone while on American soil. That should have been getting veteran assistance. The, 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 our government doesn't help our veterans. And that fucking pisses me off. They don't take care of our people. Our military needs to remain strong. So we need to make sure that we're taking care of these guys. If you want people to sign up for work, well, offer them good pay and good benefits. Help these fucking people out. Guns are a great privilege. Our Constitution has granted us the right to possess. Oftentimes I wonder if the lack of governmental assistance itself is part of their plan, a dark agenda, hoping that the mentally ill will demonstrate a careless act long enough they finally have the power of the people to deem firearms are unsafe. What a horrifically tragic and orchestrated plan that would be. Oh no, there's just me being a conspiracy theorist again, as I'm often called. And what oftentimes I end up finding that I'm right about what I was thinking about. Well, for God's sakes, make sure to take and share gun safety with your friends and family. And if you're some asshole out there thinking or considering about doing something harmful with these guns, don't. Because all you're doing is giving the government, the ones that don't want to fucking help you anyway, you're giving them the power to go after innocent, good people and our right to bear arms. Don't assume people know anything about firearms. Keep your eyes on people you're not familiar with when you're out shooting guns and their gun handling practice, especially. It's an extremely dangerous time. can be an extremely am a good amount of fun, but it can be extremely dangerous, too, to take your eye off of somebody you're not really comfortable with. Make sure you clear your weapons when cleaning. Clear them before you clean them. Make sure they're clear before transporting. And never point your weapon at anything you don't intend to destroy. My daughter's 11. And if I asked her, how do you know when a firearm is loaded? Her answer will 100% be, it's always loaded. How many kids in America do you think know that answer? And last but not least, don't ever shoot with anybody named Alec Baldwin. Just a hunch. I would avoid it. And I have a family friend that I was speaking to the other day that mentioned silencers should be illegal. Then he mentioned that he doesn't trust himself around firearms at all. You know, I don't think the peep I don't think the problem here is the weapon 
or the objects that mount on them. It's the lack of training and exposure that people have that have suppressed their knowledge and understanding of these weapons. So their minds retaliate as it's easier to say bad gun than to understand it. I just want to take a second here wrapping up to say thank you to our founding fathers for being smart enough to know their government and for wording a document so simple and so clear that to this day our tyrannical government currently in office wielding and swinging their axe towards our tree of freedom has barely just removed the bark from her surface but this well-written oak won't be taken down her roots are deep I'm proud of our countrymen and women and that we're still able to be pro-Second Amendment after all the attacks that she stood up against. And thank you, America, for our freedom and right to bear arms. And may there be a swift and painless death to any enemy, foreign or domestic, who intends to violate our written constitution and any attempts to take our freedom. And another special thanks out there to you listening abroad. See, I can look at my podcast analytics and I can see where people are watching the podcast from outside of our country even. And it shows me where you're located and listening from. Not exactly where you're located, obviously. There's privacy, but it's really, really cool to see that there are people all over the world now that are starting to pick this up. It's pretty cool. I just want to take a second to thank my far-out listeners. I get a lot of love from the U.S., but now I'm getting a lot of love from other countries, provinces, locations, as well as, and that's pretty badass. I'm pretty stoked about it. So I wanted to say thank you. Some of these places are, but not limited to, interestingly enough, Belgium, Brussels, Mexico City, Germany, United Kingdom, Morocco, Jamaica, Kingston, Trinidad, and Tobago, Princetown, Bulgaria, and Burkina Faso. I'm not even sure if I'm saying that last one right. But holy shit. That's pretty cool. So thank you everyone listening. You guys are extremely important to me. I really, really appreciate you following and supporting and downloading. I hope you keep following along to the next episode number eight. I'm your host, Keith Johnson. Thanks again for being here. And this is The... Americana.